All subject matter in the preceding podcast is entirely alleged and not admissible in a court of law. A recklessly minimal effort has been taken to change the names and details of any guilty parties. And just in case you bastards get any ideas, the hosts of this podcast are notorious and well-documented liars with no legally admissible credibility. This is Mama C, and you're listening to Notes from the Pin Podcast. Welcome to prison, bitch. Greetings from the prison industrial complex. This is the Notes from the Pin Podcast. I am an incarcerated human being, and from inside the joint, I do a podcast because I'm narcissistic and delusional and uh, bored and uh, a bunch of other things. All of the, all of those things probably aren't necessarily completely entirely true now, but I'm sure some people think that stuff, so uh, why not just give them what they want? I recently, I want to do an episode about storytelling. Oh, Okay. About that was, storytelling. That was one about, of our many topics the other day. Well, I've been, it, it gets, I'm sure it gets tiresome hearing this, but it's the reality and I can't wait for it to change. <laughs> so I don't have to keep telling you guys this, but uh, it's been a struggle. The last, the last leg of this, this whole thing has been a struggle. Yep. I, um, it's just been a real struggle and, and like existential terms and deep terms and everyday terms and frustration and monotony, mm-hmm. like just everything. Yep. So, you know, this show has been a steady, an anchor point for me. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I want to do it all the time. Uh, I actually have, have had a lot of stuff going on, that stressors, let's say, that have just been accumulating. And so the show is more like, I don't even think about it until it's like, oh, shit, <laughs> I got to do an episode. What's it going to be on? Ah, fucking, yeah. I don't know. But every now and again... I'll have like all these touchstones that are related and then okay. I'll go, Oh God. So this, this thing wants to be told. So this seems like what it's going to be about. And sure. this time it's, it's storytelling. And it came about by disparate, you know, threads in in my daily activities mm-hmm. recently. Um, I didn't even realize it until maybe this morning or last night, how they were all interwoven when I was trying to think what we're going to do. So I'm sitting on the toilet two days ago in the morning mm-hmm. or my morning and um i just i got that narrative that we all go through our our constant narr- narrator of our actions that that deeming any circumstance or situation past present or future as good or bad or you've lazy you should feel like a piece of shit why'd you do that all that stuff just happened just this constant fucking narration mm-hmm. and from my experience at least my narrator his natural perspective is negative, right? Yeah, it's, we've uh, talked about that. Pessimism's I, easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's like kind of a baseline. So in the middle of it, I, I really don't even remember what I was thinking. I think I was, I was having, um, I was feeling shame and guilt around hmm. kind of putting one piece of work to the side. Oh, um, Okay. Uh, the editing for the book and what I did last night, what I didn't do, what work I was going to do today. And with it came like a, a guilt and a shame and a self-loathing. And I just stopped it. And I've, I've, um, you know, I've, I've read enough. I've meditated enough. I know enough about Buddhism and Hinduism and, and all kinds of other isms that, that, that lets you know, stop, stop with the stories you're telling yourself. Stop with the the constant narrative. So I just stopped it. Okay. And I said, okay, so what are you actually just experiencing in the moment? Mm -hmm. Um, Sitting on the toilet and 
I'm uh, fingers crossed on a nice, predictable, you know, low white count. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, it was nothing bad was happening to me in the moment necessarily. I'm just sitting there and, you know, it became completely evident, like dawned on me, like, oh, I'm doing a lot of this to myself by the stories I'm telling myself. Okay. By the way, I'm filtering my current circumstance. Uh, I'm calling things good or bad. I'm, I'm, you know, failures, successes. Instead of just sitting in the moment and saying, okay, but what actually am I going through in the immediate here and now? Because it's not bad right now. I don't have someone stepping on my neck. I don't have a toothache. Mm-hmm. I do have a pimple in my nose right now that is legendary. <laughs> Alex Honhold is going to strap up and climb this thing on these, on these oh, fucking no. days. Oh, no. but, uh, but you know what I mean? And, and, mm-hmm. and so I just said, sitting on the toilet, no big, no new story about the story, just I'm going to stop with the, with the constant narrative. Okay. You know, I'm just going to try to just be in the moment and stop about, oh, when I get out this or when I submit this or I don't do that, I got to do this, I got to call this person, all that stuff. I just, I'm done with the fucking narrator for a minute. And that doesn't mean the narrator just checks out, tips his head, okay, I'll see you. I'll see you. Whatever, tell me what you need. (laughs) That motherfucker is always there trying to whisper. It's just, I I don't, I take the mic away when I realize what's going on. Well, you're trying to shed some of the guilt too. I just don't, I just don't want to hear it, you know, because how much of it is actually real? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. how much of it is actually real and how much of it is actually beneficial, right? Because there is a benefit to guilt and shame so long as it curbs your behavior, right? If it, if it alters your future behavior, there is a benefit to it. But I'm well beyond that, mm-hmm. right? How long, how, how often do you hear, okay, before you had this realization on the throne, before that, was your narrator constantly in your ear, or was it more All so it. in the in the morning? Okay, because we've talked about you know that waking up five minutes before you had to because all of a sudden somebody's chattering in your ear about all the shit that you forgot to do or all the things that you have to do. But then it seems like your narrator maybe quiets down while you're dealing with all those things that <clears throat> all those things that you forgot to do or all the things that you need to do or what you're going to do. I was just curious if this is something that's constantly happening to you or if you're able constant. to. Okay. I got you. It's well, I mean, okay. So like when I'm typing, so one of the things I'm trying to do, I can't find any other way out of, I did the structural edits for the novel. Mm-hmm. I can't find any other way of having, of avoiding retyping the entire thing in this new tablet of mine, because I'm going to have to do line edits and everything. I just can't figure out another way to do it. And so I'll sit there and type out, you know, with my thumbs, quick, click, 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 click. And <laughs> the narrator shuts the fuck up while I'm doing that. Okay. But only so much as I'll turn a page and then I'll go, okay, that's that's one. You got nine more. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like over my shoulder, still doing that. <laughs> it's still doing that. And then look how much you got to go, though, you piece of shit. Okay. You is there a part of you that there? thinks that you can switch the narrator's perspective and maybe, uh, like, bro, but oh, I do that too. Like, hey, right. you did get three pages today. Good job, buddy. Like, I don't mean it to sound yeah, like all Bob Ross yeah. and shit, but like, seriously, like, or Tony Robbins, I should say. What no, I bargain. Example. I bargain with. Okay. Yeah, I bargain with the narrator, which is also myself. It's not like a complete split. It's all no, yeah, that I'm talking to. Yeah, it's but uh, a Tyler Durden situation. But that, so, <laughs> but the but the 
that initial thing about like, and it's helped me for the last two days, right? Okay. It's, it's, That's the key. It's helped me to, to go, okay, but what in the moment? Fuck all that stuff. These are things that I already knew. So that's the first thing about the storytelling thread. Okay. The next thing was last night, I'm like writing down ideas. Like, what are we going to do for the show? There's all these different things. It's been a while since we, since we recorded and mm-hmm. even talked. Uh, yeah, I know. One of the things that dawned on me is I have my final humanities presentation in class tomorrow, like a, a standing at the front of the class presentation Ooh. tomorrow. And it's about storytelling Okay, is the theme of it. And it's for humanity. So I thought, that's interesting. And um, Did you write something down? Do you think you're just going to try and go up there? and? No, no, I've got it. Right? I had it all. Okay. No, I have it all bullet points written down, right? Gotcha. Now, some people wrote their whole thing out. I just have some bullet points on the, the little folded up um, call out. <laughs> yeah. I do my notes, notes for the show. Yep. And uh, the fancy ones I'll highlight. I'll take, like, um, red pin and go around the the letters, you know, the black sure. letters and stuff. So that's the second storytelling thing. Okay. The third storytelling thing that kind of pushed me to, like, okay, maybe we should talk about this, is that in the world I listen to podcasts all the time, right? Okay. I, I can't do that in here. But recently I've been – I've really been pulling into myself. I've been – trying to cut out the extraneous interactions with people, especially the non... It's harder and harder to find positive interactions with people these days. This is a chaotic place where people are going home. They're, they're short-staffed here. The days are... It's just... It's hard to find any real positive nurturing. You know, you know, you know interactions where you leave both feeling fulfilled in a type of way or, or like you got something from it rather than gave something to it right. only. So... I took my old batteries out of my trimmers, which those of you who've seen my facial hair pattern don't get a ton of use. They've had they've been around for a while. I'll trim them once, you know, I'll use them once a week to trim, trim yep. up the old dirt dash and chin hair. And uh, I put them in my old MP3 player. Oh, okay. And turned on the radio. Now, NPR was my resting station out out in the world when I would drive around. You know, okay. and they have national shows. God, I can't think of of some of the um, national shows. There's watch, look, watch what hap- what happens now. Now, okay. Uh, man, uh, Radio Lab's one of the podcasts. They have all these national shows that they do on NPR, right? Sure. But prisons, most prisons are in really small markets, small locations. So typically, <laughs> You're when getting I'm at crop reports, looks like soybeans that, are even. Yeah. <laughs> So this is what it usually is. It's usually classical music, mm-hmm. nonstop classical music, and then at night they'll have BBC Global News. Ah, sweet. And that's about the extent of it. But recently this market has shifted to playing WCMU, playing more national uh, NPR shows. So that's been my thing. I, I put a little ear earbud in. I have okay. these broken earbuds where only one, one is attached. Sure. I put it in my left ear. I'll put the, the player in my pocket and, and walk to chow. And when I'm spinning laps out here, that's what I'll do. I'll spin laps and listen to the radio. Gotcha. And it's a very, very similar. It's some of the same stuff I used to listen to in the world. You know, some of the podcasts I would listen to were NPR shows. Okay. And one of the series they have, it's a newer one, is a storytelling thing. They, I can't remember the, the name of it, but they have like these live events and people get up there, grab the microphone and tell stories and they air them. There was a, a really good one 
yesterday about civil wars and the uptick in global civil wars and all this other stuff. The point is that this third thing happened mm-hmm. to where that's kind of what locked me in to, to the idea of, of the universe trying to go, maybe we should talk about it. I, I, I don't know. Sure. So I thought maybe we could talk about the art of storytelling or the act of it and kind of, because uh, you're into stories too. We share this. We do. Uh, probably for me goes back to middle school when we started hearing about bards and bards tales. I don't know if you guys read that book. I think it was just called Bard's Tales, but it was... No, I know you it's know. familiar, but I don't... Okay. Yeah, but I don't. It, it was just basically the idea behind storytelling and, and where it came from and, you know, that there was actually a specific, um, oh, like, state of employment. Like, somebody actually did that for a job or a, uh, uh, or a means of transferring history. <clears throat> right. And I think that's where I start because, it, you know... When you're a kid, anything medieval is like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, but it was, you know, knights and dragons, all that shit. But then you, you find out about these dudes that actually, like, recorded history and told tales. And, and I always found that to be quite fascinating. So I don't know if I mentioned the class I'm in is humanities. Mm-hmm. So most people are doing, because a couple of people have done their presentations already. Most people are doing them on, someone did one on the Mona Lisa. They're, they're picking certain, like, artifacts. or So humanities is basically the study of, I mean, oversimplification is a study of what makes us human. The culture, typically the art, the history of cult, human culture and, mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff, civilization. I wrote, so, so my whole thing uh, is my angle of my paper or my presentation is storytelling as a technology. Okay. As a uniquely human technology, like you're saying, to transfer history and information and, and all kinds of stuff like that. It, it, it's, it's an inherent technology, though, right? Like, it's, like, ingrained in who we are. But you're right. As uh, I think when we grew up, we kind of looked at it as, oh, yeah, TV shows and entertainment yeah. and, and stuff like that. But uh, Well, and it was also a means to pass legend and, and also to um, maybe bolster, um, you know, let's say if like the Romans or, you know, William Wallace or something, you know, a lot of his legend came from people telling stories and to some degree, you know, falsely like, oh, he's a giant, he breathes fire, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, it was terrifying because if he was coming, you had this idea in your head that, holy shit, you know, we're about to get sacked by this monstrous army. So I think storytelling proved to be, uh, while entertaining, <laughs> it also helped some people's reputations along the way too. Propaganda. Mm-hmm. Sure. There you go. Propaganda. So I at first I, See, I was I, thinking, I took thirty-eight words to say, for you to say one. <laughs> Storytelling. Say that again. <laughs> I it took me like thirty-eight words to say the one thing that you defined perfectly with one word. <laughs> That's all I was saying. <laughs> at first, I had to kind of. I was thinking like what actually is storytelling though like if you had to t- define it to someone um what what is it at its most base you don't have uh the the pewter computer there do you sure or you could look up uh, what the, the webster's dictionary of storytelling is okay <laughs> i here, here's my guess here's kind of the the functional term uh definition i was kind of using was the compilation of information into some sort of arc or thread 
that you can convey to to another person. Right? Okay. Whether it's and there's different mechanisms for doing that. They're not You're just close. started as oral. You want to hear okay, it? Okay. What do, what do they? Yeah. What do they? Get? It is the vivid description of ideas, beliefs, personal experiences, and life lessons through stories or narratives that evoke powerful emotions and insights. Using the the, the word and the definition. How lazy. I know. That's so strange. <laughs> so yeah. There's so, a bunch so, of cool things though. Um, make abstract concepts meaningful. Um, help connect people and ideas, inspire imagination and motivate action, um, create sense, coherence, and meaning. So those are all things that um, can be conveyed through the art of storytelling. Right. So, so when I was look, kind of looking at, could you consider storytelling a technology? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as far as Rather than an art? Uses it as a, well, it can be two things, okay, right? Sure. So like, okay, yeah. you know. Television can be a technology, but it, you know the the it can be used artistically for the stuff you put on it. And mm-hmm. But it started with me thinking, okay, is what actually separates us from other animals, right? And I've talked about this before. A lot of the things like altruism or self self awareness or even guilt and revenge, like a lot of these things have been displayed by non human animals, right? Yeah, but the art of storytelling, I think, is pretty uni- uh, is pretty unique to human beings. Mm-hmm. It's the mechanism we choose to convey information, right? Yes. And we're not the only ones that can convey complex information. Bees can go find a honey patch, or I mean, a, a patch of flowers. Mm-hmm. They can fly miles away, up and around, over and under things, and then go back to the hive. And they get there, and they do this weird little dance. They buzz around and they shake their their ass and move all around in some sort of way that conveys exact, the exact GPS location of this patch of flowers. Mm-hmm. And these other bees, that's magic, by the way. How the fuck do those <laughs> do they? And we have the are audacity they, to think through our dumb speech and language that we're somehow better than bees. <laughs> no, but we are. We are. We are. Our technology is better, and I'm going to explain why. Yeah. So, so they can they can take it, and then they can go and they can fly it and find that flower patch, mm-hmm. right? But the way we use storytelling, we we use it to convey information, right? Both mm-hmm. personal and external information, but we do it through emotional touchstones that make the information resonate, that allows the other person to gain the first-person experience of another person's experience, right? So the bee can say, hey, this is where the shit's at. Go get it, and that's that. Mm -hmm. I doubt, I highly doubt that the bee receiving these these ass shakes and leg twitches can can convey, oh, this bee was frustrated when he tried to go this way to get to Mm -hmm. it. So Mm -hmm. instead, he had to try all these ways and finally got it. I'm pretty sure the bee just gives the, the information, right? right? And so there's no resonance, first of all. Second of all, that information is eventually lost if that bee dies or any of those bee die, bees die that went there. And trying to break storytelling down as a technology, I looked at, there's three epochs of storytelling, okay. right? And we started our class with the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is the oldest written language, Sumer, it's a Sumerian text, cuneiform, with a stylus pressed into to clay, to soft clay, right? Making right. shapes with the end of it. And it started with, like, tabulation of, like, wheat and, and money and stuff like that, and it eventually evolved. 
and through the Rosetta Stone, where we find we found a piece of rock that had um, Sumerian cuneiform, Egyptian mm-hmm. hieroglyphics, and Greek writing on it, we were able to decipher we like I had anything to do with it. Yeah, so very smart there. people were right. <laughs> were able to decipher. And all of a sudden, these ancient writings were kind of unlocked. And the first thing that you find in the Epic of Gil is is with the cuneiform writing mm-hmm. of ancient Sumeria is this really long epic of Gilgamesh. And it's a story. The mm-hmm. first thing human beings found, basically, other than tabulations of who owed what to where, right. was a full-on, complete story arc with a hero and a villain and trials and tribulations. And it is so, so close okay. to the same hero. Ernie Joseph Campbell came up with some thousands and thousands of years later, and that the modern Pixar movies and Disney movies still follow mm-hmm. to this day. That immediately I went, that's amazing. <laughs> that that points to something that is inherent in us as a species. It's the first time we learned to write now. We wrote a fully completed story arc, just how we use them today. You know, what, 8,000 8, years ago? Makes you wonder what the motivation was. You know, was it just some guy that maybe didn't go noticed in the tribe or, or just had all these thoughts and ideas, but nobody fucking listened to him because the guy couldn't hunt and he couldn't fish or he couldn't gather. And then all of a sudden he spits out these words. He's like, fuck it. I'm going to write this that's stuff it. down and get Yeah, noticed. that's a good point. But, <laughs> well, the, the, the story had undoubtedly existed before they wrote it down for who knows how long hundreds of years, hundred, at least hundreds of years before it was actually written down. Exactly. And then some guy thought to like, hey, we should write this thing down. So there's three epochs of storytelling. The first one is obviously oral. People, it just came naturally, and, and that probably started as soon as humans developed speech centers in the brain, mm-hmm. right? We probably, first were information conveyance, like there's this over there, there's that over there. And it, I have to imagine immediately after that came there's a big scary thing over there. Don't go this way. Right, or right. this is really nice over here. And whoever was better at whoever started using the emotional threads and ties and the conveyance of information, that information likely stuck better. It was a it was, a, it was an advantageous technology, and mm-hmm. through survival of the fittest of even ideas, it, those people did better. Right? They passed on more DNA, and and their descendants also had that heightened ability to uh, of the advancement of the technology of just sure. delivering information like a bee. So, it, yes, it started with oral storytelling. And, mm-hmm. and it also makes me wonder, I wonder if Neanderthals told stories. If they had some seen of, something, some you know, the first guy to see a woolly mammoth, how did he figure out to tell everybody else? But, I mean, we've seen the cave drawings, correct? Right, so that's the second type. That's the second epoch, Okay. right? Now, so the first is undoubtedly people saying stuff. I'm assuming. I get these two are very early, though, so maybe they are interchangeable. Okay. So what the first technology, the oral one, it was great at information. You could give tons of detailed information. I could tell you, hey, so when you go to this rock, right under it, I buried uh, a little hatchet blade, and sure. you're going to need it because you're going to have to chop through these vines. And when you get through these vines, take one of these. You know, there's tons of information can be told verbally, right? Right. But where it succeeds, where the technology succeeds in information conveyance, it falters in permanent because, it, it, and and in error and in um, um, 
Well, you're expecting that and oral message to stay true, and it turns into the television. True, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's exactly what I was trying to figure out how to say. So it's great in conveying information. It's bad at keeping that information true. Right. And it's bad at per, it's not it's it's impermanent. So if a person dies somewhere along that line, that line's cut off, right? That information right. is lost forever. Now, the next form is paintings on the cave, yeah, right? You can put information in there. These are the these are the animals here. This is the watering hole, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And where that succeeds in permanence, it fails in detailed information. information yeah, right. It's more right. It's left open for interpretation more than anything. Exactly. You have to kind of <laughs> interpret what the person means, and and it's you can't you can't tell a whole entire story um, in in a painting. And then the third form of storytelling, the epoch, was the written word. Right. And that combined the best of both of those. It allowed detailed information, and it allowed for the permanence of it. Mm-hmm. And that's how the Epic of Gilgamesh made it all the way to me in a prison uh, classroom <laughs> some, you know, 8,000 8, years ago. And it, and it really knocked me on my ass to think how little has changed in the actual mechanisms of mm. storytelling. And mm-hmm. how, See, I was trying. To, <clears throat> I was trying to think. You know, with the story of Gilgamesh when it was written, did they even have some of the? I mean, I hate to sound uh, ignorant, but did they have all the words, like written words, to 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 do all the descri- You know, the description of the hero and the and the villain, and you know, if at, at that God. time all they had was tabulations of products being traded and goods being sold, and then all of a sudden somebody's trying to tell a story the way that they speak, did they even have written right. language for it yet? Thank you for using G. So I wanted to ask you, I, while I was sitting here thinking and, and, and waiting for you to call back, I was thinking about this guy I knew that in college he decided to take Swahili because there's no written language. And okay. I, that, that got me thinking about they rely solely on oral history um, and storytelling. But there's two ways to think about it. like, okay, either you have to remember the entire history of your, you know, your people, or are they really living in the present and they only maybe think about, you know, their, their mom, their dad, their grandparents. And then it, that's as far back as it goes. I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Oh, it's, it's like a fleeting thought, but I'm just wondering for those that don't have written languages, like. You're talking about linguistic determinism. Okay. And that, that's, that's the idea that um, this is all basic uh, stuff they teach you in prison. Like when you come into quarantine, they teach you about linguistic determinism <laughs> and uh, the three epochs of storytelling as far as it pertains to human technology. Right. That's, that's um, week one. So, so the idea with linguistic determinism is that is your perception of reality defined by the words you have? Right, the way you speak, mm-hmm. and um, so you're basically saying, does it alter the way they perceive reality? Because it keeps them in the moment. Because there isn't written stuff. I don't know. That's interesting. They um, so the idea with linguistic determinism was like put to the test by saying, if you don't have a a word for, and I'm, I I don't think I think I'm getting this correct. If you don't have a word for blue, can you perceive blue? Right. Interesting. In the uh, they did some tests with some uh, tribes that didn't have words for certain things, okay. it's shown that they can, uh, th- that linguistic determinism isn't the thing. Like okay. if you don't have a word 
something, you can't experience it. Okay. And I and the cult blue is like a I think is the example they use, but I think there's there's other you know the better argument would be like revenge or uh, something sure. like that. Sure. You know, if you don't have a bird, you not experience it. But that's proved they they've proven through through tests that that's not necessarily the case. But it is something interesting because it can, I'm sure, some of that stuff can influence the tone and tenor of the mm-hmm. way you perceive things. Written written language is actually really uh, is a huge, 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 huge human technology, and we take it for granted. Like it just seems like something that, oh yeah, as long as people have been around, there's some form of writing. This isn't the case. For sure, writing has spontaneously arisen, meaning, you know, not some version of another writing from someone else. Three times, three times in all of, you know, mm-hmm. the two hundred thousand of human history. It arose in Mesopotamia. Yep. It arose in the China one. We're not sure, but 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 okay. So Mesopotamia, China, Egypt, and China are kind of, and then once in Mesoamerica with the Mayans. But other than that, every written system is from one of those three. Okay. Is, is some uh, version of that, and and ours comes from hieroglyphs. Actually, the Greek alphabet was taken from. Um, Egyptian mm. hieroglyphs, like A, the A sound. I don't know if we talked about this before. Mm-hmm. The A sound is actually from a bull, from the sound of a bull, and it was written upside down, like the hieroglyph was upside down for ah. And okay. we ended up thinking about it, if you tur- turn an A upside down, it's like a triangle for the head and mm-hmm. two legs for the bull up top. And so um, same with B, was like a, a square. I think it was a room, some sort of room. Anyways, our, our lineage of English... Germanic Latin mix of that English is comes from uh, Egyptian hieroglyphs that came from that to Greek and then Roman and Romans flipped the letters around so they well, they had them back ours ours are backwards compared to Greek mm-hmm. so it's an act actually something we we take for granted much like I think storytelling I never thought about storytelling because it's so uh, it's so natural to us. It's everywhere. Yeah. Everything we do, and, and you don't. It's one of the the few ubiquitous things. You don't have to teach someone to process in, information through stories. We we naturally do that. You and know, then, if a bee bites, the, there's a whole thing behind. Since you your brain falls in this direction sometimes too, is where do you think jokes came in? This is by far my favorite, most unique human thing. Mm-hmm. Um, now I think they they showed certain animals mimic laughing and stuff, but but humor is a is a that's even more uniquely human, human. and I I don't know I think it's a I don't know man that one I don't have a have a theory yeah. on is it a byproduct of complex Let's thought it. is Let's it see. I'm gonna write down like history of like where did it come from just taking notes history of dot 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 so I'm gonna look that up the originals I, had to be like gags like uh like oh fart. like it like well or. That guy's going to sit down. I'm going to pull the stone out from under him before he hits the stone. And right, but is it universal like that? Is it, I is don't it, know. Right? Like, if you went back in time and farted in the face of a, a caveman, <laughs> would the other... But they laugh. Yeah. Would they laugh right. Probably Or would you. you bat your head in with <laughs> yeah. a bucket? <laughs> and then would they laugh at that? Maybe they would laugh at that. <laughs> Even like, this guy farted. Hey, he got he killed. Bashed. Check it out. He bashed his head in with a, with a rocket. <laughs> but, okay, so so here we go. We have the oral. oral the pictorial. We, we have... Written. We have the pictorial, and then we have the written, right? Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much it. I'm sure at some point we're going to figure some other way out. But but think about 
our one of our favorite forms of storytelling movie and, and episodic television that's a combination of all of them yep. that's a combination of oral pictorial and written mm-hmm. and it comes together to combine and that's kind of where the exciting storytelling is is combining the three epochs, the three forms of storytelling into new technology. So imagine what it's going to be like with virtual reality when when you start creating storytelling where you can actually be immersed inside of a story as a character within a story. Or, well, that's the thing. Pictorial um, pictorial storytelling has taken over. Expo- I mean, it's you, everywhere you look now. Like I don't know. I mean, I, I know there are a lot of people that still read and love to read and. Uh, right, but it's not read, just pictorial. <laughs> yeah, it's not just pictorial because just pictorial are paintings. Sure, right? Or okay. oral and pictorial. Or, I guess it's the first two epochs. Yeah, it's a combination. It's a combination mm-hmm. of all of them. It's written because the words are written. It's spoken because the, the actors are speaking and the narration of it and pictorial, which is why we I think we're so engrossed in it because mm-hmm. it's uh with the creation of that we were like oh shit I read this thing what's the um Don Quixote is known mm-hmm. as the first modern novel. And one of the things that they talked about, I, I don't know if it was Pinker or who, but when they were saying, like, in the decline of violence, that as soon as first-person narrative novels came out, it started to change the way societies were because it was the first technology that allowed one person to experience the world through another person's eyes, as right. if they were that person. Right. Not like Gilga went to this place and mm-hmm. he fought this guy, but where you're in the person's head. Your think your their thoughts, their internal monologues, and thoughts are being delivered to you, and that was like they're kind of saying like some sort of um, linguistic determinism as far as how you perceive reality. It allowed people for the first time to experience, oh, this is what you know, this is the this is the world perceived through a woman's eyes, or you know, and and then there's all kinds of exponential. Before they had the TV version of mm-hmm. stuff, there was just the radio version, the written in the, the sure, audio. TV shows used to be on, or just radio shows. You know, like the Flash. And TV Shadow shows used and, to be on the radio. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> TV, TV on the radio. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good band. Um, the humor one is something we're gonna have to. I, I haven't um, wasted uh, enough time thinking about yet. But I guess okay. So here's my point. My point is. There's a ubiquitous nature to storytelling because it's inherent to who we are as people, right? It, it's what makes us different, I'd argue. Like, uh, well, scientists wonder why we, Homo sapiens, survived beyond Neanderthals, Homo erectus, Homo floresiensis, like all these other hominids that were around. Um, Neanderthals had a larger brain capacity per volume than we did, right? And I, and I would argue that maybe storytelling had something to do with it. Maybe it it unified people, like you were saying, by by, by propaganda or that or an inherent need to be heard. I mean, at that point, everybody once they started to write, everybody had an opinion. You know, everybody had a way to record their version of dot dot dot. You know, family history. I mean, before that, okay, because by the time we were writing, we were already it was just us. Mm -hmm. By the time we were writing, there we had already we had already beat out. The, the Neanderthals and all that. It was just us. And it was a long time in. It wasn't mm-hmm. but a couple thousand years ago that we started writing that we know of. But I, I, it seems to me that early on it would have been a way to unify large, large groups beyond mm-hmm. the family, right? Mm-hmm. And beyond the immediate, like, cousins, the second cousins, as storytelling as a way to unify large groups by this is us. 
this is our land, this is where we came from, and this is our origin story. And it allows you to unify a much larger group by a common culture and thread that otherwise, I don't know how, how you would be able to do that. It would just be familial. Right. Now, maybe they had the ability to do that. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what I'm going to kind of do this on this presentation <laughs> on in that class tomorrow. That exciting, man. It does not, but uh, <laughs> but most important. <laughs> hey, we got 40, to, 40 odd minutes of great content out of it, and I think no, we but, covered but, a lot of really awesome things. I mean, I you know I sat down and looked up Gilgamesh, and I'm thinking, I don't know that I've actually sat and read that whole thing. Me neither. The, I haven't either. The, and what I is thought, there, eighteen I, I thought tablets, I think, or twelve tablets. I don't know. I don't think they'll let you ship in clay tablets in the prison. I know. So I'm gonna have that to and wait plus, there. most of them are in Iraq, so um, kind of hard to get. They were lo- You're right. <laughs> so, but hold on. Before we even wrap everything up, mm-hmm. this all started as a way to say when I was sitting down on the toilet, I had to press pause on the automatic negative tendency of my personal narrative in my head. Right. And, and the point of mentioning and kind of painting storytelling as a technology is to say that don't ever forget that it can be hacked, mm-hmm. right? That right. You, are, you get to be the director of it, but you have to step in and actually take the reins. And that's what I had to remind myself the other day when I was sitting on the toilet, stressed as I've ever been, a- aging myself beyond belief by... Uh, <laughs> By just all the, just, I mean, you guys know, I don't want to sit here and just keep right. complaining about it, but that's one of the things that helped me. So as a reminder, if, you, if, if I can remind you guys anything, because I'm coming up on the holidays, uh, yep. Christmas and the New Year's, which are the toughest times, within the toughest time of my entire bit. So I'm going to use this, uh, I'm going to remind myself frequently shift to the be the director of your own movie. Yeah, yep. shift the narrative, uh, focus on the, the positive stuff. Don't let the uh, negative threads be. Don't let your story be a constant fucking tragedy. Yep. You know, as much. You have one minute remaining. As much material as life might offer you, try to turn it around and at least make a, tra- a tragic comedy. Yep. And that's kind of what I'm. I'm doing my best to do. So, you got anything awesome. to add, bud? No, man. I think this was a lot of fun. That's a good one, man. All right. Well, on behalf of myself, yes. guilt. Gilgamesh, all the people pre and post written history, mm-hmm. Mama C, and uh, just everyone that's out there showing love, helping me love myself when I'm uh, still trying to figure out how to do it <laughs> myself. We are gone. We go. We go. We go. Okay, so it's been a while since we've come back after the fact and had mm-hmm. to uh, kind of kind of huddle up. Put a little uh, a cap to the cap. Book. <laughs> and, and yeah, put a little cap <laughs> or a bookend to this one. By the way, just as an aside, real quick, I'm standing here and I'm waiting for the while the phone's ringing. Someone in right in front of me goes, "Hey, tell D his homeboy. Uh, tell D and fifteen his homeboy Dudu said come out back." So <laughs> you go ahead and mull that over about what the story for that nickname is yep. at some point, but. Before I get too lost <laughs> in the lead. Yeah, I was thinking after uh, we kind of got rushed off and we were in the yard clothes and all that. I think there's a larger point that we kind of missed because of that. And it's this. Storytelling, the uniquely human ability of storytelling, is a beautiful thing. It's why we've discovered so many things, because we figure shit out and then we want to know why. And we want to know how and 
how come and where and who, and we want to know all these details. Right. And it allows us to, to compile information. It allows us to tap into our emotion and tie that information to the engine and the motor of emotion. Very much so. And it can be a real beautiful thing. I really do think that it should be taken into consideration when anthropologists are trying to figure out why, of all the hominid species, Homo sapiens were the only one to survive. There's something there. So I was just kind of thinking that as far as storytelling goes, perhaps no one is better than Shakespeare, right? It's the reason every love story is some version of Romeo and Juliet, from romantic comedies to Brokeback Mountain. They're all unrequited love and the divisions between that separate two people and what they're willing to do and overcome in order to get back together. But the, one of the things that's enduring about Shakespeare is the tragedy of it all. Oh, for sure. I was thinking about what a Shakespearean twist to the story of humanity. If the very thing, our storytelling, that might have allowed us to succeed where other hominids failed by bringing us together in larger groups and staying united and having a shared history and all these things, is now becoming the thing that's destroying us. Undoing us. Mm -hmm. Tearing us apart. I just kind of wanted to to remind everyone that our baseline uh, has, like, reverted to a lot... A lot of division, right? So even the way we describe ourselves. I'm, uh, I'm an American, but I grew up in the South. I'm 40 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm six tall. I'm 180-something pounds. I'm a man. Mm-hmm. So all these things are little box dividing, segmenting who I am as an identity from other groups, right? right? Yep. And we just keep segmenting and segmenting and segmenting to eventually we're just in this little box. And maybe we, we let certain people in that box still, right? But we wall off most of the world Absolutely. when we do shit like that. Right. Rather you than know, just and, say, uh, hey, I'm JD. And then... Right. Be- then, then let that because, <clears throat> unfold naturally. Right, because the, the ultimately there, there might be tons of things that we can nitpick along the way as we're casting ourselves in the story mm-hmm. to divide us. But ultimately, the larger, the most... The foundation is super strong. It, it, it carries so much more weight that we're all humans. We're all people. Mm-hmm. We all experience things where we're seeking love and trying to avoid pain and strife, and, and we want to make connections. And one of the reasons, like, we have in-groups is love. Like, we, we, want, to sh- we want to feel accepted, and we want to have a group that we feel safe to love on sure. and stuff. But if we don't take control of our narrative and become the directors of our story at some point, we're in this whole trouble. <laughs> this whole experiment is going to tear us down, and it sounds like a really, really large problem, and it is. But, but I say that to say, a lot of times you think about things like that so big, like global warming, or any macro problem, and you think, well, what the fuck can I do? Right, it's too right? big. It's too big. Like I'll do a little bit, maybe it'll make some effect. But this particular one, I think that minute effort on a, not minute effort, uh, effort on an individual scale can change a ton. If you make the effort to stop casting people, it used to be that people we disagreed with were just at worst dummies, at best just someone that that were misinformed or disagreed with or a different Mm -hmm. background. And you didn't totally delegitimize what they were thinking. You were like, well, I kind of come to a different opinion. Now we view them as enemies. We review them as specific, especially in politics these days. 
You talk about yeah, being able to polarize a room pretty quickly. Right, and, and we, we kind of cast aside all that other shit. And what we're doing when that happens, in my belief, is we're abandoning the director chair of our own story, and we're allowing other people to take that chair, whether mm-hmm. it's a politician yeah. or whoever it is. In this case, it's, a, it's politicians a lot. So when I first came to prison, it, it, it's understandable why we divide ourselves. It's easier when you put things in black and white. They're the bad guys, we're the good guys. When I came to prison, it was real easy. There was a hard line between administration, COs, and convicts. Mm-hmm. Right? Convicts, they're edgy people, they're flawed people, they're damaged people, but ultimately they're the oppressed, mm-hmm. we're the good ones, we're being oppressed. And then the other side is evil, and they're bad because they're oppressing human beings. I don't give a fuck about the person with details. We're on the good side of things. You're on the bad side of things. And over the years, I've realized that it's not that simple. It's not that simple. It's a lazy way to think Mm -hmm. about, and you fill in um, inmates and and COs with anything you want, politics, politicians, Mm -hmm. whatever, family members, in-laws. So I really started to realize that. And yesterday... One of the hard no COs. There's one shift always when you're in prison. That's a hard ass shift, and it's yeah. usually the first shift. So we have we have our pair here, and I don't really. One of them's nuts, right? I call him the bipolar bear because he's crazy. You can't predict what he's going to do. One day he wants to be your friend, the next day he's tearing your shit up. Mm-hmm. The other one, she's an older woman. She is pretty strict with stuff, but she's pretty consistent. Okay. And I don't ever have any problems with her. She wrote me a ticket once when I first got over here, but I don't react. I, I respect that. Okay, I shouldn't be hanging, hanging things up to block the light. I got you. Let me just stay out of your way. Well, yesterday, everyone's complaining when they're here, and it's the last day of their three-day shit. Well, she gets called out of here. She gets a phone call, and Russia heard, because he was on the phone, that something had happened to her husband, and oh, he's no. in the hospital. Oh, no. And she was like, she's really stoic. She doesn't show emotion, and she kind of had, like, you could tell something was wrong with her, and she, she had to leave. And in that moment, I thought, that's the shit. Like, that's the mm. shit right there. That such a reminder that whatever we're wearing or whatever color or letter we have by our name, all that shit is stuff that we've put on ourselves mm-hmm. and casting ourselves in these roles and other people's as extras and us as the main star. But ultimately, all that stuff is in our head because in reality, we all, we all value the same stuff. We want the people we love to be safe and okay right. for the most part. You know, yeah. this is a liar. You know, I was thinking walking back to Cal yesterday, I wonder what other people would say because I think a lot of people would say in here, would say, fuck that bitch. She's a CEO. I got no love. For her, da, 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 da. But that's not that's not right. That's I don't think that's right. I think it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. But that's the way it will be if you don't make effort. So I just wanted to remind everyone out there yeah. who listens to this show that if I can feel compassionate about a CEO after all these times <laughs> and just want the best for her, it sucks because when she comes back, I'm not going to be able to like express to her like I hope everything's okay because mm-hmm. of the heart between that. I'm going to try to figure out a way to just say. I hope everything's okay. And, you know, and, and like, uh, and, and brush aside all the extra, the wardrobe and dressing. Yeah. Of this, uh, anyone that's listening, like in your everyday life, make an effort to be the director of your own story and not to cast so many villains mm-hmm. and to try to love on maybe you, uh, you wouldn't uh, normally love on. And maybe we can turn this whole thing around if enough people do it. Sure. Right. Well, think, think about it. Something. I mean, the through line to this show is that you started out with one pebble being Mama C, and now look how many of us there are. So, right. <clears throat> I mean, it's not a fandom and, and story 
telling are two separate things, but at the same token, you can glean a lot from one, you know, one from the other in that, yeah, it seems like we're not making that big of a dent, but I mean, the amount of people you're reaching now is astronomical and you never thought that that was going to happen. So even the smallest effort on everybody's part just to show love and be good, I mean, it can have a, a much larger effect. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's really, that's really important to point out. In a larger scale, even if we don't change everyone, if we just change our own individual stories and we shift it from a tragedy to, you know, um, a rebounding love story. Mm -hmm. or, yeah, if you, if, you, if you just, if enough of us change our individual stories and start treating other people the way, we, you know, the way with a little bit of grace, Mm -hmm. Even when they don't necessarily deserve it, based on on your storyline, I think we we'd all be better off. And if even if the larger picture doesn't change, I know our personal lives will change. And it's helped me. It's helped me a lot. So I just uh, wanted to remind everyone of that. And thank you guys for being part of this story. And, and yeah. I'm honored to be a little part of yours, even if it's just in the car ride to work or <laughs> or whatever. But uh, yeah, I thought it was important we come back and kind of touch on that. Sure, I'm glad we did. And we love you. Yeah, and I'm freezing. My dick off, and if I do find out whatever happened to doo doo, take notes on old doo doo, and what happens out back stays out back. Baby. Ironically, ironically, he beat himself in elementary school. Oh shit! That's how. Uh, that's how I, I don't know. I'll try. I'll get to the bottom of it if I'm worth my weight. And, yeah, and, and better reporting. So uh, yeah, without without further ado, uh, we love you. Thanks for uh, letting us interject again with our nonsense. Stay tuned. Uh, go visit us on Patreon. We do mm -hmm. a whole extra thing with Mama B where we do a weekly bonus episode news of uh, News from the Pen yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, and be nice to someone today that you uh, right, that yeah. you have the instinct <laughs> to, to want to fart in front of while you're walking. And, um, <laughs> Poor caveman. To restrain for that, step out of the way and pat him on the back. You know, I think we'll all be a little bit better. And if this wasn't a, a holiday episode unintentionally, I don't know what was. What is? Exactly. Well, thank all right. you, buddy. So, on behalf of everybody yeah. involved, Mama C, you, all the pebbles, take it away. We love you. We are gone. We gone. Hi, everybody. Mama C here. For the complete library, full episodes, and bonus content, and mainly to support this cause, visit Notes from the Pen on Patreon. To learn more about Bobby and prison reform, visit our website, notesfromthepen.com. And follow us on Twitter to stay current. This has been another Notes from the Pen production. <laughs>